What's up, podcast listener? If you're sitting at your desk or riding in your car, know that today you're joining a family of basketball professionals who are trying to change other people's lives through the game that changed theirs. This podcast is going to take you along the journey of basketball entrepreneurs and how they make a living from the game that they love. If I say anything, anything that gives you value in this episode, please go to iTunes and leave me a top five, top five, top five review. And now let's get to the show. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast. I'm talking with Ryan Buhane, Buhane, and he's a guy in Florida that has an interesting story. If you are a player or used to be a player that, you know, could have been really good, but due to injuries and injuries and injuries, you couldn't play and reach your basketball playing dreams. So you transferred over to being a basketball trainer to help others reach their dreams, too. I know a lot of guys like that. And if you are that person, if that's your story, you're going to like this interview with Ryan Buhane. We talk about that, but also talk about uh, some of the guys that he's learning from in the training industry that are helping him out. And also social media advertising, how he really blew up his account and got into the 10,000, 15,000 followers by social media advertising the right way to advertise, what works, what didn't work. And it's a young guy, really energetic, really spirited, passionate about this industry, and you can learn a lot from him. So check out this episode with Ryan Buhane, and he is in our Hoops Institute group too. So if you are not in that group, check out the link in this podcast description below. Join that group and join the conversations that we're having with some of the top trainers in this industry. It's probably the best way and free way to learn from the best and to take your knowledge, your wisdom as a trainer to the next level. So without further ado, here is the podcast episode. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. I have with me Mr. Ryan. Ryan, how do you pronounce your last name? Buhain, B-U-H-A-I-N. Uh, different pronunciations just depending on which country. I'm originally from the Philippines, but uh, ever since I moved to America, everyone's been pronouncing it Buhain, so I just ran with it. <laughs> Okay, so we pronounce it Buhang, we being Americans, but with Filipino, is it Tagalog or what's the language? It's a, yeah, it's like Tagalog, yeah, it's a Latin. Nice. Okay, so guys, Ryan Buhang, and when did you move over here? Uh, I was seven years old. That was in 1997. I actually just became an American citizen about two years ago, uh, 2015. Long time I was an American citizen. It was good, really good, because I know. Uh, my parents didn't want to sponsor me to come here. They actually, they came here before I did, so I was actually in the Philippines for a while without them. But uh, you know, they had to make a lot of sacrifice to bring me out here. But uh, but like just to have that feeling, man, like I'm an American citizen. Like this is something I, you know, we've been hoping for for a long time, and now they can never send me back. <laughs> I'm official in America. They can never send me back. That's funny. So why would you? What made you want to come over here versus staying? The Philippines is not really the best best type of living. I, I was using slumps over there, but my parents they brought me out here. You know, I'd get a better opportunity. So, and that's what that's what happened, really. So, so tell me about that. Then the slums. The slums might be different depending on who's describing it. We live in an apartment, but right behind the backyard is like poverty. I'm talking about like, ooh. like we had we had a basketball court, but it was so damaged. It's always raining. It's always flooded. Everything sewer sewer system was bad. It was. It was terrible, <laughs> really. Then, the, from what I can remember, it was terrible. You had like kids running around the streets. Like it was funny. Um, one of my distinct memories, uh, 
hanging around with like BB guns, and they were like five, six years old, and they're shooting each other. You know what I mean? That's crazy over there. <laughs> okay, so you have you have that. What do you say to somebody who's like, well, the cost of living's lower, and yada yada? I mean, do you still have family back there? You keep in touch with? You help out with? Yeah, I have family over there. It's on my dad's side, I have family over there. But my mom's side, they're all here in America. Some in New York, some in Texas, all that. So kind of spread out all over the states. But my dad's side's still there. They do fine. I know they're living in the better parts of the Philippines. But where I lived, it, it was I lived in the city of Manila. So it was just like the heart of everything. So you come yeah. over here, seven years old, and you play high school ball. Tell me about your story. I know there was an injury somewhere in there, but you tell it better than I can. Right. Yeah, I've been playing basketball since I moved to America. So I, I go on, you know, I play middle school ball, I play high school ball. My last year, my senior year, I tore my ACL on the first game of the season. So that kind of um, ruined a little bit of my chances to play collegiate basketball. So uh, I kind of sat out for a year and a half, um, just prepared myself again, uh, got to full strength, tried to line up some tryouts. Then when I had tryouts lined up, uh, I tore it a second time, so it was just more of a, I think I was, it was 2012. I was 22 at that point where I I recovered and everything, but another injury happened, another surgery uh, was needed. So it, was, it came to a point like, man, I don't even know if the higher level was worth it to, you know, go after. So I just wanted to be around basketball, though. So um, I always worked out. I always worked on my game, just you know, just to be around, just to be around the game. Always studied the game. Always watched basketball, a lot of college basketball, a lot of NBA. Um, but I never really thought about training. It wasn't until about uh, 2014 I had an opportunity to work for IMG Academy in Bradenton. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Hold on, hold on. Before you get to IMG, like, what does that feel okay. like, man? You you tore your ACL twice. Like, tell me, tell me how you felt when the first one happened and the process of coming back then tearing it again what are those emotions in that year and a half two years i was a kid man i was uh i was 17 turning 18 when i told my first time in high school um i was just a kid i, I didn't know what to do. basketball is all i knew so um i knew at some point okay maybe i need to find a backup plan so that's you know your education uh find a career elsewhere so um, as I'm going through my rehab, you know, I'm down and stuff, but my my rehab team did a really great job to keep my spirits up. And then also give me an insight that I could be around the game by not playing the game. So um, at first I wanted to do um, sports, sports therapy, uh, that's your physical therapy, all that stuff, um, sports rehab. So um, uh, I took up courses for going branching off to this uh, physical therapy. Uh, I actually graduated with a, sports and exercise science bachelor's degree at UCF. So, you know, like, you know what, maybe I can be around um, athletes, but not necessarily playing. But let's just be honest, physical therapy is not my passion. So, um, so um, the second time I tore it, that's when I knew it was like, okay, I can't, I really can't play it. My body just can't handle it. All the stress and all that stuff. So, um, and I did it during the workout too. It wasn't even like a, like a league game or anything like that. It was just during the workout. And the way I landed is like I went, I did a move that I did a million times. I went up like I like I did a million times. I just landed so awkward, and it was everything just popped. <laughs> everything was a full tear. It was just it was bad. So it, you know, I, I went through some some lows at that moment, but uh, it, it was important for me to keep my spirits high on those crucial moments. Even there, were, I was out of I couldn't walk for about a month. 
after surgery, that's like another three weeks of, you know, not really walking in, in full function because you had to go through rehab. You had to um, be in crutches for about three weeks after surgery. It was just, it was a tough time, but uh, definitely got through it. So, and this is a weird question, but I've always had a fear of injury too. I've never been seriously injured, but do you, I mean, is there a way that you could have landed? Do you think it was a freak accident? Was it meant to be? Um, it, it was, I guess you could say a little bit of destiny, man. It was just something I did plenty of times. And as soon as I landed, it was just my, my knee just locked up. And then I hyperextended my knee landing and everything tore because of uh, the way I landed. It wasn't like I had my, my knees bent. It was just like a straight landing. And, you know, you, your, your knees can't absorb that much uh, force. So it was just so weird. It, it happened. Man, okay. That's, that's interesting. That's crazy. So, all right. So now you're rehabbing, you tear it again, you realize, okay, I can't take this anymore. And how did you get this opportunity at IMG? Really prestigious school. Yes. Um, one of my close friends was an assistant coach there. So um, I worked out of it. This is actually right when social media was just starting to pop off. So, like, this one dribbled too much at um, Handle Life, by the way. He just started coming out. So this one, Instagram really just started to come. So now I'm looking at it like, man, I do these type of workouts on my regular, but I never really thought about joining the social media. I just did it because this is what I did. Um, I just studied the game. I actually, uh, I have been a fan of iPods for a while, but it's, you know, nothing serious. Really looked up into the stuff and like as far as us going to my workouts. But uh, I just started, you know, doing ball handling workouts on Instagram as well. All that stuff. Um, but Pat the Rock was really what got me into the training business, like step into the training world because uh, I would usually follow his stuff a lot. Like I would, I would look up his stuff, just kind of practice it, all his stuff. But uh, it wasn't what it was, I think 2014, before I went to IMGR, 2014, he came down to Orlando for a camp and he actually hit me up on my DMs like, hey, I'm having a camp. You should come through. So I come up, meet Pat the Rock. Um, we chop it up, all that stuff, and really, he's what—he's uh, the person that made me jump into the training world. Shout out to Pat the Rock, by the way. Um, but other than that, then my close friend, who's like, "Hey, man, you should really apply for this uh, part-time uh, coaching position here in IMG." So I did. He put in the word. I put in my resume, whatever the case might be, and I got in. Uh, it was—you know—he had a big helping hand in that. So I worked at IMG. I worked there for a bit. Uh, Got some insight on training, ran camps with 100, 100 plus kids a day, um, worked with some pro players, some of the pro players that I had a chance to help out with, uh, Iman Shumpert from the Indian Cavaliers, uh, kind of helped out with uh, his workout because uh, one of his guys was training at IMG too, so I kind of assisted him with that workout. Uh, I had a chance to work out Mo Harkless from the Portland Trailblazers, Rodney Hood from the Utah Jazz, so a couple pros. Because uh, that's what they do. They bring a couple pros uh, every offseason and they, they work them out. And they have guys like me assist with the workouts and stuff like that. And then I had to run camp, pretty much uh, run camp for the youth, uh, kids from all over the world, Ukraine. So I had a, had an opportunity to really um, get to know these kids, get in touch with these kids, uh, build a relationship, and then um, potentially turn them into clients as well. Because so, I know I travel here and there around the state too, like um, training these kids uh, at their home state and stuff like that, their home city. So, so tell me this, man, in terms of the training and kind of jumping ahead a lot, uh, the, the impossible method is to train like once, maybe three times max per month, right? 
Right. Uh, okay. That that's to empower kids to be real on, on their own, right? Yes. How does that yes. work okay. for you? Has that brought more people? Have people disagreed with that? Talk to um, me about that. It's it's a hit or miss. It's it's a little bit of a hit or miss. It's just more of a putting that mentality to the kids that they have to work on their own. And let's just pick, let's face it, people will pay for convenience. People will pay for you to be there and pretty much babysit them. But the way we train is, like you said, it's three times a month. We give them the mentality, listen, we can't do the work for you. We can just give you a structure, a plan. We're kind of like an architect giving you guys a blueprint. Um, we can't put the work in for you. So those two times, three times a month is very crucial to just our teaching aspect. We teach. So we're like, I, like when, I, when I do a training session, especially with my personal program, um, that's those one time a month or three times a month. It's more of a, I'm going to teach you so uh, not so many things, maybe a concept, and we'll just branch off that concept. And you have to master that before you even see me next time. So if I feel like you didn't improve much, meaning you didn't work on your own, I'm going to go back to that same emphasis and like, listen, you got to do this before we move on because that's part of the program. So there's times where people would hop off the program and join my group session instead because they see me more often. And um, there's times people stick with a personal program because I am empowering them to work out on their own. So it's a hit or miss. Just kind of depending on which player you have, what kind of player you get, is uh, the people that's going to stick with that um, program and stuff. But I do offer a group se- a group session program, monthly flat rate, and then they see me two or three times a week. So that's about okay. 12 so sessions a month. Yeah. You both. Yeah, I do both. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And that was kind of like a semi-private, private type ordeal. Right, absolutely. So it just kind of depends on what kind of player you get. Okay, that makes sense. So, and tell, tell me this then, man. When did you, because I know you are a student of the game still, you like to learn, especially now that you're teaching the game. Uh, we're both in right. Gordon Lawley's Trainer's Guide to Success. Uh, absolutely. But tell me when you got involved with that, why you got involved with it. And the number one thing that's it's helped you with. Um, so I got involved with Jordan Lolly, um, Change Got to Success, right when it uh, came out. I think it was in December or, or January, one of those two. Um, so I, I've been speaking to Jordan Lolly, like personally, emails, uh, phone calls, texts, whatever the case might be. Um, and I really feel like he he can give the insight. He's a very successful trainer, trains thousands of players a year. Uh, so why not learn from one of the best trainers um, in the world? I mean, I, I, I can pick that off of Mike as well, but uh, he doesn't have a, a program like this as far as it teaches you the on and off the court stuff on a pretty much daily basis. Like Jordan will cover uh, a topic with you, you know, once a day for, for the week. And then you kind of just, it's up to you to really apply it. So I know he has a lot of gems under his belt as far as what it takes to run a successful business, a training business at least, you know, especially uh, being in Irvine, California all that stuff he, he trains a lot of players he goes he goes overseas and stuff so that's what's really the number one thing that made me join because i know he has a lot of insights that i can apply to my own business and try to be successful as well yeah yeah i remember in the discussion board you guys were talking about he was commending you like hey you've been picking up your following has been growing uh what were you doing there to get that increase in following and What's the main thing he's taught you? I know consistency is one thing, but is there anything else that you really picked up from him that you said, oh, this is genius? Um, hashtags would have to do as well, but um, I know it's the shot, the trainer shout out, like the storyline. That's I know he did that for me one time, and I did that for him as well. Um, that helped a bit too. And um, there's also, there's 
there's accounts online that will sell a shout out. Um, I did that a few times and uh, it's really skyrocketed because it's because they have a major platform. So some of these accounts have 1.5 mil. Some of these accounts have like 800,000 followers. It's more of a you're paying for the marketing a little bit. So I did that for a bit and uh, it skyrocketed a bit. But um, you you pay for the shout out and people will you know followers will follow you. It's not like a fake account where you know you, you have a fake you have fake followers. These these followers still engage with my um, accounts daily every time I post a video so it's like my views are still on like 3,000 to 5,000 views um, I get a couple hundred likes so it's not like they're not engaging they're engaging so it's not fake followers at all so and they even comment they're like, you know you know how to Instagram they're like oh travel no drill I'm like yeah shut up bro <laughs> you know how it is <laughs> so it's funny so they're really engaging so that's the cool thing like he told me like alright you gotta purchase um shout outs from some of these accounts but you got to make sure you know what you're purchasing like there's real good ones i know the basketball coverage account is really really good out that, that one has a couple million so that's really good um just legit legit um shout out accounts will be uh, beneficial i'm not saying do it all the time but here and there definitely helps you know that's interesting man I, i've seen a couple of those and some of those prices man are crazy like one account i won't say the name but right Got like eight million view, eight million followers, and it's like two hundred dollars to post for the day, and seventy dollars right, to post right, for right. an hour. And like I see some trainers who use it, and I don't know what the results are for it, but you know, if you don't have a budget for that stuff, it's not really, you know, is it worth it to pay that much money to get some followers? Why is it worth it for you? Um, I, it's, it'll be worth it in the long run. So right now, I think of it as a, an investment. All right, sorry, my the mic's a little okay. Yeah, it's worth it for the long run. It's a little bit more of an investment for me because um, it showcases what I can do in a worldwide platform. Because you know, the, these followers are not just in Orlando, Florida. They're they could be in Cali, they could be in New York, they could be in Texas, or out of the country as well. So I think in the long run, it's very beneficial. Um, right now, besides followers, I don't really reap a lot of benefits because I don't even have an online training system. I mean, it is in the works. So I don't, I don't, I don't get any monetized value as of now but it it does give me a, a, some some kind of platform to showcase what i can do worldwide and then um once these followers follow you and they, they get engaged especially in a local aspect and like oh man you know two hands basketball this guy has this amount of followers versus the lo other local trainer you know no one's really engaging with those other guys you know they everyone's a lot of people are engaging with two hands basketball so that kind of helps me out in that aspect as well locally it helps me out bring more tra uh bring more clients uh into the program as well just because of the following they they do take account of the following oh this many people are engaging with this stuff so something that's, like that you know that's, that's what i'm gonna ask you right there like does it help you locally and that that is a benefit enough in itself right there if it helps you locally um right talk absolutely to, right talk to ben tier about this and augie johnston the baller boot camp uh guy he said the same thing about the local right. help Ben's here, what I asked him about was the specific videos that you guys use. Is there a certain type of video that you've seen get better results than others? I know you can do some pretty crazy drills and nice things with the rock. Um, man, I know you posted something about this, I think, yesterday. There's, there's no real science to um, how to get the maximize, how to maximize your uh, engagement on uh, social media. 
There was one video I know I posted. It was a Kyrie Irving breakdown. It's the one everyone was going crazy for. You know, when he split, he did behind the back, split double team, and then went to the hole. That one had, I think, gave me 37,000 views. And my average is usually about four to 5,000. So I'm thinking like, man, what is it with this video, that breakdown in general, that got people going so crazy about? So really, it's just a hit or miss. Or um, you do an NBA breakdown, a skill breakdown, or you could do something, some of those innovative stuff, which is a two ball, the cones, a tennis ball, and the med balls. Uh, really hit or miss. I know towards um, skill breakdown when I'm not doing so much innovative stuff or lights and stuff, much more uh, like favor. But my thing is I'm an innovation guy. I like working out of the box. That's my thing. That's my niche. So I don't necessarily do it for the likes at this point. It's just more of like, all right, I just want to showcase what I can do. But I do, when I do NBA skills breakdown or a moves breakdown, that gets more engagement than my innovative stuff. So I guess you could say the game enhancement part is probably much more, I say, it's much more attractive to the eye to these uh, followers and stuff like that. Okay, so that is a, some kind of consistency, the science between uh, the game enhancement, like the drills that you have, that gives more uh, engagement, you're saying, and the breakdowns give right. you more likes. Yeah, it, it's weird. Like, I would think my innovation stuff, because um, it's harder, tougher to do, not a lot of people could do it, would get more engagement, but usually it's the, the skill breakdowns, the, the very simple stuff, like the punch drags, or like cross step step back you know stuff like that those will get more engagement because i guess it's a little bit more simple uh you can replicate it i guess it, well i go through detail with my breakdowns as well i go through terminology i go through step by step the timing so i guess that works for me more as far as getting better engagement as far as the innovation stuff i don't explain it much because there's too much to explain so i just put the innovation stuff boom and i guess it just doesn't hit as the game enhancement stuff yeah, and I, I'm interested to take this offline and talk to you more about that, too, because Coach Paul, you know, he has a huge following. Right, right. doesn't do any of that stuff, right? But he he doesn't have a science to it besides post three times a day, right? So it's interesting right. kind of stuff uh, from you. But I know you have to head out, man. So I do appreciate your time uh, on the podcast, man. Where can we all find you on Instagram or right. any other channel? At Two Hands Basketball Instagram. On Twitter, at Two Hands B-Ball. And I just started a YouTube account. It has two videos, but I will be getting more engaged with that. I know I have a lot of instructionals already lined up, uh, already made. It's just more of like, when should I start uh, posting in a consistent manner? But uh, you could put uh, find me at Two Hands Basketball, all separate words. Just It's not like Instagram where it's, everything's all together. Two, the number two, Hands Basketball with space in, uh, in between. So uh, you can find me on YouTube there. And uh, Facebook, you can do the same thing, Two Hands Basketball with spaces, Two Hands Basketball. And uh, that's pretty much it. Okay. And Instagram has no space. The number Two Hands Basketball. Got it. Yeah, just all together. Yeah. And same as Twitter. Uh, I don't think they allow you to do space unless you're doing underscore. So um, I'll link under this, too, just just, there. Uh, so we can have all that stuff. Yeah. But, man, again, I appreciate your time, man. And have a good workout, a good session at UCF, the alma mater. All right, have a good one. Have a good one, Mason. Talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to Basketball to Business Podcast. If you like what you heard, go ahead and follow me on Instagram and Snapchat at MySonJones. And if you are not like me and don't need to burn all bridges, quit your day job and only bank on a plan A, 
and you want to make some money on the side by doing basketball training, check out www.hoopsinstitute.com and sign up for a free 30-day trial. Until next time, and remember, you are not alone in your journey to reach your dreams.